Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK, and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor at Bike Radar, and joining me today over the uh, the magic of Microsoft Teams is Rob Weaver. He's our senior technical editor in chief. How's it going, Rob? August, thanks, mate. Very good. And also we have our Scottish technical editor, uh, Al Evans. Oh, that's not your official title. That is just technical editor, but you're in Scotland, aren't you? Uh, yeah, currently looking out the window, beautiful, glorious, sunny day. Lovely. Ready to ride some dusty trails. Oh, sounds dreamy. It's pretty grey in Bristol. I'm looking at a, a tree with no leaves on, um, which feels very wintry still, even though it's April. But hey. But Tom, what did we do this week? We, were, we rode in the snow. <laughs> we rode in the snow. It was horrible. <laughs> we, um, we, we're kind of finishing off our bike of the year now, aren't we, Rob? Um, I've done trail bikes, yeah. you've done enduro bikes. Um, so this week was filming week. Um, where, where did we go, Rob? Let's give them a shout out. We went to Bike Park Wales, which, although it's been closed, they um, very kindly opened their gates to us. So... We've had access for the last, what, eight Couple weeks of months. maybe? Yeah. yeah. So we've been able to ride there. Um, no uplifts, they're just pedaling up. But um, yeah, we've had access to a number of the trails there that have been signed off and all safe to ride. Um, and it's been awesome, hasn't it? And we, we just did two days of filming. Um, we had, what, patches of sun in between snow flurries and gale force winds. But it was good. It was good on the whole, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say Tuesday was, I think Tuesday was grim, um, officially. <laughs> uh, like, driving snow, uh, blizzard conditions. It generally was, like, blizzard conditions, although it wasn't really settling. Um, but when it was sunny, like, I, I watched back one little bit of GoPro that I did on a, on a chess run um, in the sun, and, like, just, like, a little faint dusting of snow over the trails did actually look quite, quite nice. Oh, um, Well, yeah. But it, it, it interspersed with trying to warm up my hands and wearing some. We had some lovely kit from Fox, who provided us with um, some real nice kit for for Bike of the Year this year, and it does look pretty wicked, I think. Um, but they are summer jerseys and summer gloves um, and, <laughs> and, shorts. Wasn't, and shorts. <laughs> it wasn't quite our usual, very privileged uh, trip to Europe for our Bike of the Year shoot this year, but Bike Park Wales, nonetheless. We, yeah, it was it was super handy. It worked out well in the end, I think. Well, we think so. We hope so. Um, the mag's not on sale yet. The mag's going on sale on... Wednesday or Thursday next week? Tuesday, I think. Tuesday. So this podcast goes out on Monday, so you can buy MBUK with Bike of the Year in tomorrow. Um, the Cycling Plus Bike of the Year is about a month away, I think. Um, That's right. But content will be coming uh, onto Bike Radar um, over the next couple of weeks, I think the the first video um, of Bike of the Year, which is the winner, um, will be out uh, end of this week, possibly. I don't know. 
I don't know either. I think it's it might just out. be your one. Though. It's the twentieth of the... April. Twentieth of be... April. Is that the first one? I believe so. Wicked. Well, I'm not even in the studio for another couple of weeks, so I've got a week off. Ah. So it might just be your one. It might just be. I think we're doing the trail bikes trail first. Bike stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then we're doing enduro bikes, and then we're doing the road bikes. I think that's the plan. So, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen our YouTube channel, you should have a head to YouTube and, and find our channel. It's pretty good. And then uh, like and subscribe to it. Yeah, and click the little bell icon so that every time we upload a new video, you get a notification. It's like you've done it before. <laughs> oh, my God. How many times have I said those words? <laughs> Um, also, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe. Apparently, um, over 90% of listens come from subscribers. So if you are that 10% who hasn't subscribed, why on earth not? Um, uh, we've been podcasting now for about two years, and I'm pleased to announce that this week we hit half a million listens to the Bike Grown Up podcast, which I think is pretty cool. This, this particular one might be a nosedive, though. We might, um, <laughs> yeah. we might be losing a few. <laughs> <laughs> please don't disappear. But yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. I think that's the that's the main thing. If you are a subscriber, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, share it. Share it with your friends. Sorry, we haven't asked Al what he's been up to. Oh yeah, Al, what have you been doing? Uh, uh, let's have a little think about this. Uh, we've been testing drivetrains. We've been testing uh, budget hardtails. So uh, well, there's a bit of budget creep, and I think we might touch on this uh, in a, in a moment. Um, but also £1,000 hardtails on the uh, cycle-to-work scheme. So the cycle-to-work scheme is a salary sacrifice thing uh, that you get through your employers. Uh, basically, it reduces your taxable income uh, whilst you essentially hire a bike for a certain period of time, and then you can buy it for an incredibly reduced fee at the end. Um, so I've been testing hardtail bikes. Uh, there's been three, three amazing hardtail bikes that I'm, I'm actually in the process of testing still at the moment. Um, and uh, they'll be give in us the a UK. Sorry, well, give us a hint. What are they? Oh, you want to know? You actually yeah, want some not? juicy details. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got a, a Merida Big Trail. We've got the Specialized Fuse, uh, and there's also the Vitus. Uh, oh, crap! I can't remember what it's called. Is it the Sentier or the Nucleus? I'm really sorry, Vitus. Sentier. Sentier, isn't it? Uh, I'm just getting my... Uh, it's the Sentier 275, yeah. I'm, I'm nice. really sorry about that, Vitus. Um, so, yeah, th- th- those three kind of big hitters, they range from, uh, I think it's 849.99 to £1,250. Um, and they're, they're all actually looking like mm. really good bikes. I've ridden that Vitus. I was really impressed with the Vitus when I, I've ridden a number of their cheaper, you know, more budget sort of orientated bikes, and they've always been incredible, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to hard to argue with the value for money, isn't it? Especially mm. when you're a, a penny pincher, like like oneself. <laughs> it's probably worth pointing out why you only have three bikes as well, right? Yeah. So this is what I was kind of going on to uh, about a chat in a minute um, is bike availability, mm. um, and I think media folk and consumers alike are all really really struggling to find bikes to buy, to ride, to review. Uh, and components as well. Um, I think we're, you know, there, there's a, a real crisis on our hands at the moment. That's uh, kind of several compounding issues. I suspect all all leading to a shortage of bikes. Um, so normally a bike test has four. This one currently has three at the moment. Is that a similar looking sort of situation for your next bike test, Rob? 
Well, it's one of those I've been promised to have had have all four. I should have my third one arrive today, and the other one technically should have been here now, but I'm hoping I should get the fourth next week. But that it's one of those where um, we've had to, you know, beg, borrow, steal from all over the place in order to get it, um, and 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 also it means um, one of the bikes is going to be a large, so I normally ride medium. But one of them is going to be a large, just because that's all we can get. Um, I think I would say right now probably the only safe category to cover is high-end downhill bikes. Pretty sure that's the only one you. It's the only. It's the only sort of category you can get. I guess like no one's really going on up this, so why would you buy? Why would you buy a downhill bike at the moment? Yeah. Because they're the only bikes available. That's why. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. you want to cycle to work? Downhill bike, mate. Best bike for the job. As long as you can grand. fit a dropper, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, whoa, whoa, talking of that, wasn't there a downhill bike recently that can uh, can have a dropper post fitted to it? I seem to remember. Oh, no, hang on. This was the uh, GT's April Fool's uh, Fury uh. LOL bike that they did, which was an e-bike downhill bike with, uh, yeah, I know, Tom. Tom's looking really excited here, by the way, for viewers that can't see down their headphones. Uh, listeners, sorry. So basically, I think GT did a, a an April Fools on a on a uh, it was a downhill bike with dual crown boxes or whatever an e bike motor, but it had like a steep seat tube angle, a dropper post, um, loads of downhill bike stuff to it. And I was th- I looked at it and I was like, this can't be an April Fools. It looks too good to be true. A dropper post on a downhill bike. Hey, why not? What you need to do is head to Eurobike two three years ago and go to the high bike stand because they had a downhill bike with a motor and with a dropper. GT are years behind the uh, behind the curve there. High bike, they know what they're doing. Well, technically, I, I tested that. Um, the the Cannondale. Yeah. Right? So it has a boxer. It has a dropper post. I mean, I mean, they, I mean the latest, um, some of those, you know, like the Canevo, you know, the previous general, you know, coil shock, big fork. You know, a lot of these bikes are sort of encroaching on that downhill territory. Only Okay, maybe they don't have 200 mil or 220 mil travel, but... They're getting there. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, and just whilst you mentioned the, uh, the current generation Canevo, uh, big shout out to uh, the thirteen thousand pound specialised Turbo mm. Evo that I'm currently testing. Um, <laughs> oh my god! I, I tell you what, I, I, I saw the price and I was like, "Blimey, that's a bit spicy." Um, and put it in my fifteen hundred quid Volkswagen Caddy, um, <laughs> and was genuinely concerned for the safety of the bike if I was involved in any sort of accident. Um, but oh my god, it's worth fifteen thousand pounds. It more, it's worth more than its asking price. It's so good, is it? Yeah, oh flipping egg. The the review is going to be out soon. It's not going to be out soon. I've not really tested it enough yet. But initial impressions certainly reveal that it is quiet, smooth, fast, capable. I did a, a mixed mode ride, so no less than 50% assistance, because you can change the assistance in 10% increments now, uh, no more than 70% assistance. And I did 1,800 metres in two hours, and I still yeah. had 3% battery left. That's 1,800 metres climbing, by the way. Just yeah, climbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We just went to the shops 2K away and pushed <laughs> the last bit. <laughs> in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, it's really impressive, guys. <laughs> worth every penny. You, you'll, you'll get just under two kilometres. To be fair, I think um, Danny Milner at MBR said 
uh, he did an Instagram post about it. He's been testing it as well. And he said if he had 13 grand, he would buy the bike. Um, it's certainly everything I've heard about it has been super impressive. Yeah, definitely. So um, and I, I would, would just like to mention one other thing. In, in the previous episode that me and Tom recorded together, we did laugh about um, uh, wages of uh, bike editors. And it seems like Danny Milner got the got the joke there as well. If, if he had the money, he'd buy one. <laughs> yeah. So you can't get it on cycle to work? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I think it, I think it might exceed the uh, might exceed the budget limit there. But a touch depends what your job is, I suppose. If you're a millionaire oil baron, then maybe you could. We'll see. I, I think going back to that, um, we won't name any names. Going back to that, um, the bike availability issue. Like this is obviously something that's played out in in bike of the year. Um, I know that the bikes that went into trail bike of the year certainly didn't quite hit the three to three and a half thousand pound price limit that we usually have for for various reasons, um, political as well as. Um, CV related, coronavirus related. Um, but I know I was chatting to a brand yesterday and they said, you know, supply chains for, for parts is is mad at the moment, you know, without we're talking a year between ordering it and getting parts for bikes or plus um and you know misdeliveries all sorts. It's a real nightmare. And I know again without maybe not without naming names, are you were saying about a, a bike brand that's had to drastically cut production this year yeah absolutely yeah i can't uh, can't divulge any any details there uh, in the in the public public domain but they're basically looking at cutting uh well i'm rubbish at maths but it's like 90 percent of their of their bike production because they they just can't get the parts to um to put on any of their frames um so it's you know what what can they do it's a real uh, rock and hard hard place there really it sounds like it could be a, a tricky year for bike manufacturers i think last year obviously everything went a bit bit crazy and, and you know a lot of brands had a very good year um selling everything um, but it sounds like the the downstream sort of oem supply of, of parts and components even if it's not the frames uh, is going to put some manufacturers in quite a difficult position and you know if they're small enough to be reactive as in buying the bits and pieces they can get in smallish numbers from varying suppliers they might be okay if you're a massive massive company one of the big three or four and you have those absolute direct links to the suppliers, maybe you'll be okay. But there's middle-sized companies where maybe they don't have the purchasing power of the biggest brands, but also don't have the ability to react so quickly that the smaller ones have. You know, maybe they're going to find it sort of tough in in, in this coming year. Yeah, it's um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's looking tricky. Pray pray for everyone, and uh, you know, let's let's just hope that everything's going to be okay. Um, the Ever Given got freed in. A tiny amount of time, you know, with the little digger digging away a quarter of its size, less than a quarter of its size, because that would be a massive digger. Um, so, you know, if the ever given can get free, then maybe we can all have bikes. Let's hope so. It's a very tenuous link, but it's definitely, <laughs> it. definitely a link there. It took somewhere. me a second to remember <laughs> what was going on there for a second then. <laughs> um, we, we we did have a little um, point to this point. A lot of our podcasts maybe are quite focused on a particular topic. Um, and this one... Um, isn't quite so much so as you might have noticed by really? our blabbering <laughs> <by our laughs> on, um, but that's okay. We were, we were going to talk about sort of our, our riding rituals. Um, we all ride mountain bikes on a you know a good two or three four times a week. Um, so there's got to be bits and pieces that we do for every ride. The bits of kit we use, bits of food that we eat maybe before, during, and after. Um, so we just thought we'd have a little chit chat around around that sort of thing. So I mean, um, let's start with with food maybe, Rob. Is there anything, I know sort of I've got sort of favourite bits of food that I always eat before uh, and during a ride, but how about you? Is there anything you particularly like? Well, it depends what we're, you know, if we're heading out for a big day. Like you and I obviously 
as we've already spoken about, I've done a lot of the bike of the year stuff. So that's generally involved some pretty big days, hasn't it? I think mm. you know, quite quite a lot of climbing, quite a lot of descending, but you're out for quite a while. So I normally start with just a massive bowl of granola, yogurt, um, some blueberries in there, a bit of honey. Yeah, properly loaded up to the point where I don't feel like I can actually move. So by the time I've driven to get to wherever I'm going, I'm kind of good to go. You know, you're ready at that sort of fighting weight and I can just roll out without having to load up on, on much more, to be fair. And then, yeah, while we're actually out riding, I don't really tend to eat actually while I'm on the trails. Generally, at most, it might be, you know, one of those um, chewy talk bars mm-hmm. just because they sent me a few boxes of them and they're really good. Yeah. Um, and I try, otherwise I try, you know, apples, bananas, stuff like that. Keep it fairly healthy then, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I say that, but I ate three Turkish Delights on Wednesday, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> so I bought a pack of three and I was like, well, I offered you one. You said, oh, I won't have it been all good and everything so then i just ate a lot but yeah i guess for the most part i'm trying to trying to be as healthy as possible I mean, if you're talking a about sandwich a little sandwich i notice you often rock up with um like a baguette yeah. <laughs> and some packs of grated cheese which I, I think it's great i always end up with like some horrible sandwich from the filling station it's gross you make your own mm. you can pretend you're on the side of a mountain in france oh. i get i get the little leatherman out you know, cut my baguette open, sprinkle the cheese in, bit of ham. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of us are as, as rugged as, as Rob and as manly. Um, and, you know, <laughs> like Tom, I, I have to rely on the uh, someone else to do the, do the, do the hard work and the, the thinking in the sandwich, the sandwich situation and, and do quite frequently end up buying one. I have to say, my, my everlasting memory, we used to work together in the office, Al, um, and I also seem to remember being astounded by your salads you used to bring to the office every yeah. day. Like oh, was, yeah. I always thought you were like this sort of pinnacle of health. Well, it was but, like um, a shoebox-sized Tupperware. Yeah, tub, full right? of like beetroot, which I'd never eaten in my life before, and, and leaves, <laughs> and you just like carrots that you didn't even like peel or anything. You just went straight in. And I was always like, wow, who is this man? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've said it before, but carrots have, have got to be the ultimate trail snack. They're better <laughs> than bananas because you can eat half of them and put it away without any like fear of repercussions of the inside of your bag being a banana-y smeared mess. Um, and, and and they're quite tasty. You know, they're all right. They're they don't right. really have much to them, though. I mean, they're quite, quite chewy. Like... Yeah. It's a lot of chomping. Oh, well, I think you just need need to wet your whistle with a little 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 drinky just to help you help the carrot help the carrot go down, and and you can think of it as like a carrot and stick as well. You know, you've literally got a carrot. You know, you dangle it in front of you. What more? What more? You know, I mean, maybe, that's mountain biking. Maybe that's what appeals to you. Al. This doesn't wouldn't make me no. get up a hill any faster having a carrot there at the top. Or are you scared <laughs> that all the wild rabbits are just have got wind of it and are forming some kind of <laughs> Carrot retrieval band That's behind you and are about to attack. <laughs> <laughs> right around the next corner, and then they're just piling out the warrens, just coming to get you. I mean, I, I do wear those glasses that, that you sometimes see uh, road cyclists with little mirrors on the on the corner <laughs> just to watch out for, for, for rabbits heading up the trail. I think that could be the next big thing. Maybe we'll get Jack Luke on the uh, on the glasses with little mirrors. I think he'd like that sort of thing. Those, those SPD sandals <laughs> with, with mirrors on the SPDs, probably. Speaking of um, wetting whistles, um, I think I'm 
I'm not the only person in the world. I actually really like a cliff bar when I'm out riding. Um, but they have a common a common sort of criticism, I guess, is that they are quite dry, can be quite dry. But um, if you've ever discovered the the nut butter filled ones, um, those are without doubt my my snack of choice out on a trail. Um, they've got peanut butter or chocolate hazelnut butter in the middle of quite a nice OT bar. Um, like me. Yeah, big fan. But you do need to drink with them. <laughs> you do need to have 20 litres of water in your bag. The other thing I've um, recently found um, through my my other half is uh, jerky. I've got a packet here that I'm showing uh, my uh, my colleagues. Oh, wow. um, little um, sachets of jerky, beef jerky. Um, they've got loads of protein in them. Uh, and if you go to Home Bargains, which is a shop in the UK for our international um, listeners, uh, which basically sells everything, I think, um, for not very much. Um, those bags of jerky are about 99p a pack. Um, so you can stock up. Uh, and they're like a real good sort of little protein here, mid-ride. Well, you um, boys have been on a shoot with Steve Bear. The yes, legend yes. that is Steve Bear. That, I mean, that guy pretty much exclusively lives on beef jerky. <laughs> I don't Phil think Tom. I've seen him eat anything else. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a heads up about home bargains because I reckon he could probably um double his uh disposable income every month if he just bought the cheapest <laughs> stuff. He'd be well into that. Yeah, so that's I guess yeah, what what else were we gonna we're gonna sort of well, do? What a about bit drinks of... though? Well, oh drinks. D- does anyone go for like that electrolyte stuff or the recover you know, all those recovery things? It's H2O, H2O all the way, H2O or tea. There is, there is no other liquid known to man that is more beneficial to humankind, except for tea. water and tea. <laughs> and tea is basically flavoured water. So, you know, just tea, just, you know, buckets of tea. I would, I would usually go with water. I'm pretty bad at drinking while I'm riding. I usually, I guess like a lot of our rides, Robert, you know, certainly lap-based. We don't yes. have like the elevation that um, Al has up in, in people. So most of the laps you would do are probably only 20 minutes at a time or half an hour, maybe at the bike park a little bit longer, but never really long enough for me to warrant carrying a drink with me, I think. Um, if I do carry drinks, it usually is water just because otherwise it gets left in my water bottles. So I get home from a ride, don't bother cleaning and tidying anything up. Um, and then three weeks later, I'll come to the same bottle and oh, it's half full, happy, you know, happy days, crack on. <laughs> uh, just as a, as a public health warning to anyone listening to this, do wash your water bottles you and should. clean them out after every ride. Don't, don't rely on Tom's three-week method. Um, um, where you then, could get cholera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's why I don't bother with all these you know, fancy drinks. I have occasionally, I do like taking a little flask of tea with me. I'm like mm. a cold, when I was testing over at Forest of Dean, um, for back of the year again, so that sort of 20, 30 minute lap, having a thermos of tea at the bottom when I swap bites was great, actually. Good sugary tea. Mm. Oh, sugar. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'll do the same with coffee. Love a coffee. Um, I do. So I have a dedicated water bottle that I put an electrolyte drink in. Okay. Because of then it, cause it, does, it does make a difference after a while. Mm. Like you said, you need to clean it. So I always remember I need to clean that specific bottle out properly. Mm-hmm. But it does. I swear it does sort of taint it. It's really hard to kind of get that. That. So you've got one bottle that's just constantly tainted. Yes, and so I just use that, and it's easy because I use the talk drink, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just the electrolyte stuff. So you just guzzle that stuff. It's easy to make, quick, and it's in a talk bottle. So I know exactly which bottle it is that I need to mm-hmm. make sure I give a proper, proper scrub. Obviously, like you said, Alan, you should be doing it to all your bottles. But, but. like Tom, Life's when too you short. get in, yeah, there's only so much cleaning you can do, right? I tell you, we, we talked to a nutritionist, I think, on the pod back in January. Oh, I was a chef. Um, and I think sort of nutrition and mid-ride sort of eating and drinking is something that I am particularly terrible at doing properly anyway. Um, I went for like a, a longish gravel ride a few weeks ago um, and didn't really consume very much. I think I had like a maybe a bottle, a bottle and a half of water over the space of like six, seven hours. Um, and ate a few bits and pieces, and I was certainly sort of feeling it towards the end of the um, end of the ride. And I did another similar length, or a slightly longer ride, I guess, um, a, a couple of weeks ago, and decided I was going to really focus on making sure I actually drank and actually ate properly throughout. I felt incredible. I got to the end of the ride, like I think it was, I was up for like eight and a half, nine hours, and I felt fine at the end. It was bonkers, like just how much of a difference actually eating and drinking properly is. Maybe everyone else in the world realizes this, but it's taken me twenty years of mountain biking to realize. I, the re- I find it's the recovery. I find if I eat and drink more, I recover quicker. Mm-hmm. I don't feel so, uh, I guess, exhausted the next day. Have you got any particular recovery? Like, what, what do you look forward to in a meal when you get back from a big ride? What's what's uh, what's your go to? I don't really have a go to. No. Pretty much, yeah. We eat pretty. I guess we eat pretty well at home quite mm-hmm. varied, relatively healthy. So I'm kind of easy with all that stuff. How about Definitely. you, Al? Well, I, th- I think that um, I'm, I'm probably at least a little bit wrong here, but I think in, in our muscles, in our bodies, there's like an hour and a half of glycogen, of worth of glycogen, of like energy in our muscles. So, you know, you, you could do an hour and a half of exercise and not, not eat any kind of sugar or food and feel okay. But once you kind of get over that tipping point, you're going to have to start topping up your supplies, which is probably why, Tom, you felt really good mm. when you actually did did keep your muscles supplied with um, sugar and, you know, all the other things that are sciencey that they need. Um, I think I think for me, like an after ride, it's, it's, it's toast. It's Marmite and toast. Is it? Oh, just give me as much toast as I can get my face into. Um, <laughs> like toast and then and maybe even a protein shake if it's been particularly spicy ride. Um, you know, like um, a whey isolate, um, which is, um, it, it's like a completely uh, natural byproduct or produced from milk, cow's milk, I think. Um, I'm sure that there'll be people screaming at me here saying the wrong things, but that's what I believe it is when I read the box a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so yeah, toast, toast, and, toast and tea as well. Tea, I mean tea. Tea. You know. Tea, a nice cuppa. Don't you just want to have a nice cuppa? Have you got a particular tea? type of tea, that you like a Darjeeling or an Earl Grey? Yeah. Or? It's Yorkshire. Yorkshire tea, every full time. Stop. Yorkshire full stop. Let's nice. not even go down that rabbit hole because they'll be coming for their carrots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I, maybe I'm a bit more... Um, I don't, my, my, if I do a long ride on, on a bike, I, I usually spend the whole ride, because I'm so hungry all the time, um, imagining what I really want to eat when I get back. Um and I think because I, I sort of try and keep myself, I try and keep myself fairly healthy through the week and all that sort of stuff. I use long rides um, as an excuse to have a takeaway. Um, so it's usually I, I love a pizza. I think a pizza is a great recovery food. You get you, you get your fat from the cheese. You get a bit of protein from the meat. You get your carbs from the pizza base. 
it's it's the perfect post-ride meal, I reckon. And fairly quick to make, you know, if you go to Tesco's or other supermarkets and get like a real nice fancy one, you don't even need the takeaway element of it. And 20 minutes in the oven, bish bash bosh, put a load of ketchup and mayonnaise on top, jobs are good. <laughs> Um, I think we might be hungry. I think that's what, <laughs> what this conversation yeah. is. Should, should, should we maybe move on to less less food and more maybe some more uh, helpful advice if someone maybe somewhere is still actually listening? <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. What, 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 what do you want to... What should we cover off quickly? Well, let's have one item of clothing that you will ride with yeah. without fail. Okay. I... Um, got hold of a fox jacket recently um and okay like maybe moving into spring summer it's not going to be quite so useful um i think it's called the defend fire alpha jacket i think it's called um and it uses perlite it's perlite material which has like um it's a weather resistant outer shell so kind of like a not in a bad way, it's in a bad way, but like that scratchy sort of surface, um, which isn't full waterproof shell, but is kind of like soft shell, but isn't quite soft shell, a bit more flexible, but thinner. Then on the inside, it's got this beautiful um, furry insulation um, and it's got some big pockets on the side. And that jacket has absolutely blown me away over the past couple of months. Um, and yeah, that is now straight to the top of my favourite bits of clothing list. Um, it's, it's brilliant. It, is it quite expensive? It's 220 quid. Um, so it does cost a lot, but I reckon uh, it feels really good quality. I think it will last a long time. And I have worn that as a jacket way more than I've worn any other sort of, of, of the jackets that I use. I tend not to wear jackets very often, um, but that's been an absolute game changer over the past few months in this sort of chilly, intermediate conditions, you know? Wow, what an accolade. What, oh, what honestly, about you, Rob? it's brilliant. Um, <clears throat> I guess the one thing that I consistently wear at the minute especially has been a back protector. Okay. Um, I've been wearing, um, it's the, it's the, I think it's called like the Evo pressure suit from 661. And you can remove the pads you don't need. So I pretty much just have um, the back protector in and elbow pads if I'm riding somewhere fast and rough. But it's mega comfy. And I guess there's always that, you know, because it is so comfy, you feel, well, why wouldn't I wear it? And you kind of then don't want to think about the consequences if you didn't. I'm not saying it's going to necessarily save my life, but I've had some massive crashes in it and it's done something, you know, it's helped to some degree. So I figure like, you know, it's that comfy. It goes pretty much unnoticed. So why wouldn't I wear it? If you know what I mean? So I'd rather, I'd rather have that protection in place than not. And, and it, it honestly doesn't ever really get in the way. Do you think coming into summer that that's going to be... Do you have to wear it with a base layer underneath? Like I found with some protections that the base layer makes life more comfortable. At that point, you've got three layers. Do you think that you're going to get a bit hot? Or Well, so this is when my quest for the ultimate back protector will again begin. Because I've been kind of working my way. I sort of... I end up coming back to this one. I've been mm -hmm. trying loads of different ones out. You know, like the Vestal ones and all sorts. And I don't know. I'm not massive. So... Some of them are so, some of the actual, um, the back protectors themselves are so big, the protect, like the arm is so big. Oh God, can you hear my neighbor? He's just started up his Mustang. <laughs> oh no, is that <laughs> it? Jesus. Can you hear it? Yeah, yeah we definitely He's like, it's always that. a bit noisy when you first start up. It's noisy every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure he'll drive off in a minute. 
All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll, uh, I'll take over then. Um, whilst your whilst your neighbour's uh, incredible car choice has uh, has disappeared. Um, questionable. Questionable. Um, for for me, actually, it's uh, it's it's one that I've I've seen all three of us wearing, and uh, I think that definitely speaks volumes. Whoa, the car's crazy. <laughs> Sorry to know anyone that can't actually hear that, but it was loud. Um, it's the uh, the nuke proof black line trail pants, mm. and uh, everyone's nodding there for people who don't have X ray vision down the down the earphones again. Um, and they're basically a soft shell, highly flexible, lightweight um, pair of riding trousers that are great for um, kind of all mountain enduro style riding. Not too hot, not too cold, not waterproof, but splash resistant. Um, and when it's a bit chillier or there's maybe a few puddles on the trails and it's not perfectly dry, they are absolutely awesome. Um, I've just looked on the on the Nuteproof website and it doesn't actually have their price on there. So I thought I was going to be helpful, but <laughs> I'm not. So I think anyway. they're 85 quid. I gave them yeah. five stars when I reviewed them. There you go. So, I, I would genuinely be happy to buy another pair of them. Like I think they're, they're brilliant, brilliant trousers. The new Fox ones as well. Um, again, I'm terrible with the name, but they're they're sort of lighter weight sort of trail trouser or pant. Um, that seems. To, I, did, I wasn't a massive fan of the, the the original ones, which were real tight around the ankle. I find them real struggle to get on and off. Um, but the latest ones, um, they've got. A, it's a much more elasticated around the ankle, so they're easy to get on and off. Um, and they've got a, a slightly better um, popper and tightener sort of situation around the hips. Um, so again, I've been sort of fairly impressed with them. And not too warm, nice and stretchy, fit over knee pads nicely. But those neat proof ones are, are yeah the gold standard in, in trail riding trousers. So there you go, folks. If you can find a set to buy, all three of us would recommend 100%. Yeah. Tom, is there anything you carry on your bike or your person? Because bearing in mind, we swap bikes quite a lot, don't we? Because mm. when we did, I say plan, I'm doing inverted commas now. When we planned this podcast, I did think, oh yeah, hold on. I, there's not, you know, obviously we have our long-term bikes which maybe has some more kit strapped to it. But generally where we're swapping bikes so much, there's not a lot of point where it will take forever to keep swapping bits and bobs across. Mm. So I guess if I'm doing a big ride on a test bike, I generally carry the stuff with me. What about you, Tom? Do you have specific stuff that you try to switch onto a bike? Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a, I've got a bum bag that I sort of take with me most of the time, which sort of has... Um, a couple of bits of kit in there which basically come with me on, on every ride um, well from a sort of I like to track my rides these days um, so while on a long ride I might use a, I've got a Garmin 830 plus um, but I, I have a Garmin Instinct watch um, that I use sort of every day um, for, for tracking all my rides I think that's really useful um, and I started sort of getting quite a lot out of tracking rides and working out where I've been and that sort of thing and, and for fitness um, but in my bum bag um the, basically, the one thing I need is is a one-up EDC pump um, with tool in there. Um, it's the 100cc version, which is a slightly bigger pump, so it just makes it really easy to get sort of 29 by 2.6 tires up fairly quickly when you have a puncture. Um, it comes with, um, I mean, there's various different options with that pump, but the, the one I have has a little tubeless um, repair strips and fork um, sort of hidden within the, the little carrier that sort of slides inside the pump itself. Um, I've had quite a few tubeless punctures in the past few weeks, um, and that's been fairly useful. Um, and then it comes with like a little natty uh, multi-tool, which seems to do pretty much everything 
And it's got chain tool on there. It's got link pliers. Um, it's got all the Allen key sizes and a T25. Um, and it all just fits in what basically looks like a regular mini pump. Um, again, it's not a cheap item. I, I don't know the price off the top of my head, but it, with a full pump and tool system, you know, you're looking at the thick end of, well, towards 100 quid, I'd have thought. Maybe not quite that, but a fair bit. But it is basically a one-stop shop. Um, and I can take it on gravel rides, take it on mountain bike rides. Um, it's just super useful. But I guess if you were to price up all the individual component mm. parts and buy them from elsewhere, you're probably talking north of 100, I would imagine. Yeah, quite quite, quite likely, yeah. I mean, I know I was just in a, a multi-tool test and, you know, the tools in there were, you know, there's some pricey tools these days. Yeah, tool, I mean, yeah, like, you know, for, for, for finding a tool with chain tools, with, you know, all the extra little jibbles and jobbles that you're going to need when your bike inevitably falls to pieces at the trail side, which is when it obviously happens. Yeah, you're going to be looking at, you know, yeah, in excess of 30, 40 quid probably. Um, and that's just for the tool itself. How about you? Al? What do you take on every ride? Oh, well, uh, it's a, it's actually the Topic P30 multi-tool is currently uh, my favourite, which is a little bit bigger than the P20 that I reviewed. Um, it's got a few more few more little features on it. Um, I've definitely got a Lazine uh, pressure drive digital gauge pump in there, I think, um, with a slightly modified hose so that it doesn't pull the valve core out when you unscrew it, because that's an incredibly frustrating experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's um, tubeless repair plugs um, with a little kit. And I think I actually bought this from Halfords um, because I couldn't couldn't find a, a cheap one to buy. And I was in, I was in dire straits with a whole tubeless tire. Um, and obviously a tube as well, because, you know, it's not a real mountain bike ride if you haven't had more than five punctures in the space of two minutes. Um, so, yeah, a tube just to get me home. And there'll obviously be a sandwich. There'll be some nuts. There'll be some extra treats, maybe some carrots. carrots. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, so they all live in my in my Patagonia uh, five litre bum bag. Um, and, and that just lives around my waist quite happily. Um, not when I'm in bed, but out on the bike mostly. <laughs> Um, do, you, do you find a big bum bag gets a bit uncomfortable after a while? It depends where you wear it. I think. I think if you try and if you try and hook it on your hips, you're all good. I think if you're you know if if you're going around your soft tissue like your tummy, and it's maybe maybe not so good. But yeah, it seems seems pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think without those things, I would be uh, I would be lost. Or most important one here, God blimey, for the powerhouses amongst you, it's the uh, quick link. Um, 12 speed quick links for chains so that if you snap your chain you can quickly get it back together um, because without that what are you going to do well probably just use a chain tool but <laughs> yeah there you quick go link. Um, oh, make sure they're in a ziplock plastic bag as well so they don't get rusty or you don't lose them good That's show a, uh, yeah like a little little bag nice alright well hopefully there's been a couple of pearls of wisdom in the last 40 minutes of podcast um Maybe <laughs> we'll see. Something um, about carrots. Some yeah, mm. carrots. Carrots is the key for pre, post, and mid ride nutrition. There you go. <laughs> Buy shares in carrot makers um, or farmers, as they're also known. Um, <laughs> carrot makers. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. Um, yeah. Well, uh, th thank you very much for listening. If you've listened all the way through, well done. Um, have a medal. 
Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's really useful. Uh, and you will get lots of other podcasts, which may or may not be better than this one. Um, so yeah, please do keep listening. Um, and yeah, share it with anyone else who may also be interested in listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Thanks very much, Al. Thank you. Thank you, um, Thank you, Rob. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, we'll Catch you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.